Let's jump into the word. If you would, please pass your books. Um, if you're taking notes today, the title is Fearless Faith. I want to talk to you a little bit about faith today. I think faith is something that uh, we talk about a lot in church, that we take a lot of thought up in, but we don't necessarily live really confident in. How many of you guys think our culture probably lacks a little bit of confidence in their faith if you were to look at how we function as a society? Anybody? As a whole? So I think faith is something so important because a lot of us hold to faith, even different faiths, but it's how confident we are in that faith that really makes a difference in how we live our life. All right? And one of the things I want to just jump straight in, Psalms 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So I just want to start right there because there's something that is so important about your faith. You can't, hear me, you cannot truly trust your faith until you've been given to your faith. Does that make sense? Anybody ever, you ever had someone try to get you to try a bite of food or try some new dish that they made, right? And you were like, you sure about this? Anybody? Right? Now, once you ate it, you loved it. But when they first brought it, you were like, what'd you do to it? Right? All right. If growing up in the Nisant family, anybody hands you food or drink, you always question first. Okay? That's just the way we grew up. So, <laughs> it's just the way it is. So, anytime somebody's like, hey, try this, I'm like, uh-huh. Who made it? Where'd it come from? Right? Like, I want to know all the answers before I try it. Mm. Does that sound like our faith? I want to know all the answers, God, before I really give in to you. God, I want to know all the answers. I want to know how this is going to work out before I really can trust you. With uh, That's not faith. That's not faith. God's faith is more. You've got to be given to your faith. If you're really going to believe God's going to be there for you, you've got to trust him for it. You've got to, hear me, if you're really going to try a bite of what somebody's given you, you've got to actually put it in your mouth and take a bite right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. You're going to have to engage on a different level. You can't say, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. I'm going to give you this little bit, and if you do well, I'll give you the rest. That's not the way that works, because you're not trusting him with everything. You're not giving him everything, right? Anybody ever been on a boat? We got any boat people in here? Quite a few. I love boats. I love getting out on the boat. I love it, but there's something about being on a boat you don't really worry about sinking in the middle of the, in the water, right? Some of you guys are like, that's why I don't get on boats. Okay, well, if you like boats, you're not worried about sinking on the boat because you're confident in the boat. There's this interesting thing about a boat. Not all boats, we're not getting technical here, but there's a plug that goes to the bottom of the boat. It's to let all the water out. You got to have that plug or the boat will sink. That's it, one plug. If you don't have that plug, your boat will be at the bottom of the lake. But if it's plugged, you can go all day, right? Here's the thing. I remember this time. I'm going to tell you a quick story. When Jana and I, Jana's my wife, for those of you guys who don't know, when we first started dating, we took my dad's boat out. And I liked going to the lake. And we get there, and we're trying to back it in, and it gets stuck, and I get out, and I'm messing with it. Anybody know, when you go to the lake, your faith is going to be tested more than any other time in your life. For those of you who have boats, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, but I try to get it going. Finally, it gets stuck. The trailers, it, all this stuff happens. We get in the car, and finally, I'm like, all right. It, and then the truck sticks. I'm on the boat ramp. Line of people trying. I'm on the boat ramp, and my truck is stuck. 
Finally, I, I force it. I make it go, and I get it in gear, and the truck kind of jerks, and then we take off, and we start pulling forward. And all of a sudden, I was like, man, this thing is not pulling at all like it was. And I look in the rearview mirror, and I realize it's because I don't have a boat anymore. My boat is heading by itself into the lake on the trailer, just rolling down the hill. So I throw it in park. I jump out, and I run full force to this boat as it hits the water. Boats are made to float. It hits the water, and it starts floating out to sea, but the trailer is going down, so it starts to do this motion, but it's still attached in front. So it starts to do this motion. I'm like, oh, I'm about to sink my dad's boat. I'm going to die. Right? So I, I do what every smart 19-year-old does. I jump on the sinking boat because I know I've got to unhook it. So I unhook it, and I drop, let the trailer sink to the bottom, and I'm like, okay, I'm good. And then I realize now I'm going the other way. And I the plug. So I grab the plug, and I dive off the back, and I'm underneath the sinking boat trying to find the plug in Draper. I finally, I do, I find the plug. At this point, my mortified fiance is standing at the end of the water, and she's seeing a sinking boat, and I am nowhere to be found. She doesn't know what happened. She just sees bubbles coming up in a boat and know me. She's terrified. And I finally pop up, and I'm like, I did it! And she's like, yeah. She has no idea what I just did. She just realized, yeah, you did it. You almost sunk your dad's boat. What are we going to do? Right? So we, put, we get it all fixed and taken out. But here's the thing. I was so confident taking that boat out. I was so confident that I knew how to handle the boat. How many of you guys realize sometimes we're real confident about what we know when we don't have a clue? See, here's the thing about our faith. We, we feel like we need to be so confident in what we know to be secure in our faith. But if you are confident in what you know, you're not secure in your faith. You're secure in you. If you're going to be secure in Jesus, it doesn't matter how confident you are in you. It matters how confident you are in him because he's the one that's going to take care of the stuff you can't see. He's the one that's going to hold you when you aren't confident, when you aren't sure, when waves come and things start to throw you back and forth and life hits you. He's what's going to be confident. You can't rely on yourself. Anybody in there ever been shaken before with situations that happen in life? I want to talk to you a little bit this morning. I'm jumping right in. Because see, here's the deal. Matthew 14, we're going to talk about a portion of Scripture that most of you have probably heard a bazillion times. Uh, I know I have, but I love it. It's the story of Peter walking on water. And here's the thing about Peter walking on water. I'm not actually talking to you about Peter walking on water. I saw something the other day in this story that was so amazing to me because i just never seen it before. But I want to read you the story, and I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit, but hang with me. So Matthew 14, verse 23, it says, Night fell. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Say heavy waves. Anybody ever feel like heavy waves just have you thrown all over life, right? You think th things are good, and then life just like poof, hits you from one side. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right? 
about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, is it a ghost? But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, do not be afraid. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, he said. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed back in the boat, the winds stopped. Now, that's that verse in a nutshell. I want to break it down for you for just a minute because there's a couple things that I find really interesting about this story. When it starts off, it says that Jesus was alone on the shore when night fell and a storm came up, right? Meanwhile, verse 24, the disciples were far away and a strong, strong storm had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Guys, this story, I've talked about it so many times. I've heard it so many times. I've heard it preached from the perspective of Jesus, uh, Peter had so much faith he, faith, he got out of the boat. And then I've heard it preached, Peter had such little faith that he sank. And I've heard all these things about Peter. Peter was the byproduct of that story. He wasn't the focus. You, do you hear me? Follow me this morning because I think a lot of us, we get so sidetracked with the moments in the middle of our story that we lose sight of the story because this story really is about Jesus was alone on the bank and the disciples got in trouble out on the water. And when the wind and the waves came and the boat was crashing, the disciples were in trouble. So Jesus came walking on the water. He didn't come walking on the water to come find Peter. He came walking on the water because the disciples were in trouble. Do you follow me? When did the wind and the waves stop? When he got in the boat. See, Pastor mentioned last week, Jesus would constantly minister in the interruptions. I believe this was one of those interruptions to the ministry that we get so focused on the interruption that we miss the story because what happened was Jesus was walking on the water on his way to the disciples because they were being thrown all over and they were terrified. Jesus was on his way to calm the storm in the boat with the disciples. But on the way, when they saw Jesus, they became terrified, right? And who calls out to him? Peter. After Jesus calms him and says, no, 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 it's me. Don't worry, it's not a ghost. Peter's like, if it's really you, let me come to you. Jesus was on his way to the boat already. Jesus said, okay, go ahead. See, we focus on the interruption and call that the story. Guys, I want to pause real quick. How many of you are focused on the interruption in the story of your life and you're missing the entire story that God's trying to play out because you're so worried about the interruption? Am I going to make it? Can I make it through this time? Is this family member going to come back? Listen, God is in control. He was moving in your situation before you ever realized there was a situation that needed moving. He called out to Peter and Peter started to walk on water and his attention was where? Jesus. And then he got his attention on the waves and he began to sink. Guys, the waves were there before 
Peter ever started walking on water. That's why they were terrified. Right? But when he got out of the boat, his focus was Jesus. Guys, I want to talk to you about fearless faith this morning. And the thing about fearless faith doesn't mean you have all the answers. It doesn't mean that you never worry. It doesn't mean that you never question. It simply means that when problems come, your faith isn't shaken and you keep your eyes on Jesus. Fearless faith doesn't mean there is no fear. Fearless faith means in the face of fear, you still have faith. Because there's something that struck me about this. When Jesus got close, who saw him and became afraid? All of the disciples, right? Then Peter calls out. Now, did Jesus chastise Peter for calling out? No. See, think about this for a minute. Jesus knew Peter. He could have he said anything to calm Peter. Jesus, if that's really you, let me come on the water. He could have said anything. He said, Peter, it's really me. Remember, we had chocolate cake the other day. On, what you, he could have said anything. Peter, remember, it's me. I got you that sheepskin onesie for your birthday, whatever. <laughs> that romper you're fishing in, I got you that. He could have told him whatever he wanted to, okay? But he didn't. He said, no, get out of the boat. He called him to do the impossible to calm his fear and his insecurity. You follow me? He could have said anything to calm him where he was, but instead he called him out of the boat. And when he got out of the boat, his faith was put to the test because now it's not Jesus that might be you. Now he's walking on water. I don't know about you, but this story boggles my mind because how do you start worrying about the waves when you're standing on water, do you follow me? Like if I got out of the boat and I was like, I probably wouldn't have been looking at Jesus either, but that was because I'd be like, I don't know that I'd be able to walk, but I wouldn't be worried about, man, that's some strong wind. I'm standing on water. Anybody else? But here's the thing, it's like he got out and he started walking on the water, moving towards Jesus, and he was good until he stopped focusing on Jesus and went back to his problem. But, but hear me, because that's the place. It says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him and said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? He didn't get back in the boat and say, disciples, what's the deal? How did you not know it was me? Have you not seen all the things? He didn't do that. He never says anything else to the disciples that we know about their faith. He never says anything about them calling out in the middle of the storm. The only person he addresses is the one he took out of the boat who had tested his faith, who had walked on water, who had seen God move, and then he lost sight. So I'm about to help a bunch of you out. There's a lot of you in here that we deal with stuff and we see things in our life and it's like, God, How's this going to work? Well, I can't, I can't think that because I've got to have faith. No, 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 no. That's okay to say, God, how are you going to work this? The difference is, God, how are you going to work this? And he starts moving in your life. And you're like, God, I don't know if you can do this or not. Do you see the difference? It's okay to have question. It's okay to wonder and to ask. Guys, God's big enough to handle your question. 
The thing is, when he starts moving and he starts doing, stop losing faith because we get so distracted by everything else. See, it wasn't so much that the waves were bigger. It was that once God started to move, his attention went back to where it was before the move of God. There's a lot of us that we begin to see God move in our life, and we get so excited that God's moving and God's doing and the things that God is doing in our life, but we often find ourselves going back to the things that were there before the move of God. Anybody? The waves didn't start after Peter walked on water. The waves were there before. God took him out of the boat in the middle of the waves and put him on water. This story isn't just about Peter walking on water. This story is about the fact that Jesus saw the disciples in trouble, and he left the shore to come rescue them in the middle of their situation. Do you hear me? There are so many of us in this room that we are so focused on where we're at in our moment, in our time, that we miss the fact that Jesus is on his way no matter what. Jesus is coming towards you because he saw you, he knew what was going on, and he's heading your way. How many of you think... In the middle of your trouble and situation, you're calling out, God, where are you? How come you're not fixing this? If you lived and walked with Jesus, how many of you think when they were in the boat and they thought it was going to sink, they were probably like, Jesus, where are you? This is the day you picked to be on shore? Right? That's how I would have been. And then it's like, where are you if Jesus was only here, right? If Jesus was only here, and then they look over, and he's like, uh, that's him right there. Right? Huh? <laughs> that's probably what scared him the most. I'm totally speculation here. But that's how I see that. Like, man, if Jesus was just here, he could calm this storm. He could solve our problem. Simon's like, uh, I think that's him on the wave over there. What? Right? It's a ghost. That can't be him. No, it's me, guys. Like, <laughs> How are you doing that? Right? We must be closer to land than we thought. Right? Like, they start freaking out. The thing is this, guys, hear me. So many of us get so rocked by our situation. We're so worried. It's like, God, where are you? Are you coming? Are you there? Guys, Jesus is on the way. Hear me, because Jesus is on the way. The thing is, some of us get so distracted and we're so worried about, Jesus, is this really you? Jesus, is this really you? Jesus, is this really you? That he's trying to get to your storm to calm your storm, but he's helping you along the way. If we would just put our faith back in Jesus to begin with, and be like, hey, that's him. Get in the boat. Follow me. This entire story probably could have been like 15 verses shorter because they'd have seen Jesus and like, hey, that's Jesus. Get in the boat. And then the storm would have stopped. Because when Jesus got in the boat, what happened to the storm? It stopped. Jesus was coming to calm the storm and the situation they were in. It was prolonged because he wanted to help Peter where he was. There's two things about this that are great. You ready? One, no matter how frustrated you are in your faith at the moment, Jesus wants to help you where you're at. Even if it means he's calling you out of the boat to, <laughs> hear me though. How did Jesus help Peter with his faith? He called him out of the boat. <laughs> There's a 
a lot of us in this room are like, God, I just need you to help me with my faith. Anybody ever notice when we ask Jesus to help you with something, all of a sudden you face that a lot more? God, help me with my road rage. I-35 is going to be shut down from this street to this street. Really? Right? It's like, okay, fine, I'll take side roads. Really? <laughs> All of a sudden, you are faced with exactly what it is you're asking God to help you with. So if you're like, God, I need you to help me with your faith, he might call you out of the boat. Because you can't truly trust something that you haven't given yourself to. Do you hear me? There's, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people in church that are like, well, I believe in Jesus. I've, I've, I have faith in Jesus. Well, I mean, I, I, I can't do that. But, I mean, I know, I know God's there for me. I mean, I can't, I can't be faithful in every area, but I, I've given in most of the areas. You're not really given to him. How many married people we got in the room? If you're married, raise your hand. How many of you, when you got married, it was like, okay, here's how it's going to work. We're going to get married, and Monday through Friday, you got me. But Saturday and Sunday, we're going to do whatever we want. We're not married Saturday and Sunday. We're just married Monday through Friday. Anybody? Right? Like, that's how it worked? No. Why? Because you either are committed or you're not. Hear me. Jesus, I'm going to give you Sunday, I'm going to give you community group, maybe Wednesday, and I might even serve in another area. But Mondays are mine. No. My work is mine. I'll give you church, but work, it, nuh uh It's not the way it works. Faith isn't about picking and choosing what you're going to give God to trust him in, and then you're going to be secure in your own places. Guys, I understand that that's hard. Anybody, I mean, let's be honest, we're in church, we better not lie, all right? How many of you have struggled with your faith on one thing or another at a different time? Do you hear me? We've all done that. It's okay to do that. <laughs> because God's big enough to help you. God's big enough to bring you along. God cares more about you than you could dream. But so often we think, well, God, I'll give you part of me and we'll see how this goes. God, I'm just telling you right now, nobody's ever going to have a good marriage if they only give the marriage a few days a week. This is not, I promise you, anybody who heard that, like, that's a good idea. It's a, not a good idea. Don't go with it. I'm just, all my single people are like, oh, no, don't. Scribble through it. Don't keep that. That will hurt you <laughs> badly. All right? This is the thing. Faith isn't picking and choosing. Faith is saying, I believe in it. And I step out in it. And I'm going to walk in it. See, I want to address one other thing really quick about our faith. Anybody ever feel like you got to do it alone? See, and, and this really is an America problem right here because we have such an idea in our culture that, well, I don't want you to hand me anything. I, don't want, I want to earn what I get. I want to make what I am. Do you follow me? It's the same reason we struggle with being vulnerable in relationships because we don't want people to see that we got issues. It's the same reason we struggle with people helping us because I don't want to hand out. I want to do this on my own. Do you follow me? But... Being connected to people that God's called you to doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're smart. How many military people we got in the room? Got a lot of, several, several military people in this service. Let, let me ask you a question. When you go on a deployment, did they say, okay, now here's what's going to happen. 
I'm going to send you to this town and talking individuals. Do they just send a bunch of individuals in a bunch of different directions? And your job is to go in and kill everybody and fix everything and bring peace yourself. Right? It's in the Steven Seagal movie. It's real life. Okay? Right? No, there's a whole... No, hey, some of y'all just like... Don't make fun of Steven Scott. All right, calm down. It's all right. But no, they send in an entire troop to serve a function, right? Together. Guys, you were never called to fight this battle alone, ever. If, but we try so often. It's like, well, I got to wrestle with these questions in my faith, and I want people to know I have questions because then they'll think I'm a, I doubt, and then they'll call me Thomas, and then I just don't know what I'm a, like. No, tell people your question. Maybe they have the same question. Maybe you can study it out and find it together. That's called community. <laughs> That's why we have community groups. <laughs> it's to help you walk through life. The questions, the situations, the things that we face. Ephesians 6.16 says this. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. I love this. With which you can extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one. Why do you think it is when the, God talks about our faith and who we are as Christians, he gives us an armor. Anybody? He's given you a shield of faith, sword. Of, like, he starts depicting military outfit. Do you follow me at that time? All right. Why? Because there's going to be warfare in your faith, guys. This is a battle. I'm sorry. I wish, I wish it was like, please take up the hammock of faith. <sighs> that would be so great. Except Jesus, and then it's like life on the beach for the rest of, no, it doesn't work that way, right? It's not the snuggie of faith. Oh, it would be so good, right? No, it's the shield of faith. Why? Because you're going to have to do some battle with it. Now, hear me, because there's a couple things I want to point out about this that I find really, really interesting myself. When we're talking our faith, see, I've seen the parallels where it's like the shield of faith in like nowadays style, right? And that's cool, but sometimes we can miss things when we try to make things too current. Do you follow me? Because there's something really unique about this. When it's referencing the shield of faith, the shield that it's talking about is actually a Roman shield. The reason that's important is because the Romans started carrying a shield that was very unique. And in fact, I believe that's why that last line is on there. Anybody ever read this and think, the fiery darts of the evil one? That's a weird phrase, right? Anybody ever been walking down the street and like devil just shoot a fiery dart at you? Right? Like that's a weird verse. Like that's a weird portion, right? I've never read that in scripture where like Moses was leading the people and a fiery dart from the clouds came shooting. No, like, that's a weird part. Until you realize it's specifically addressing what type of shield that is. See, the Roman shield was different because a lot of shields in that time were either metal or wood. The Roman shield was two pieces of wood that was then covered in canvas and then covered in leather. And the way that they would use those shields is every morning they would have to get the shield, they would dip it in water that would soak it, and then throughout the day they would put oil and they would work oil into the shield. The reason was, so when they would go to battle, in that time... People love to shoot 
flaming arrows. And if you had a wood shield, anybody ever put fire in wood? Okay, you have a bad combination, right? Okay, the point was it would actually put out the arrow when it would hit a shield if the shield was kept moist and kept worked with the oil. Do you follow me? This is actually depicting exactly the type of shield that was supposed to be carried. Now, something really interesting in that, because for those shields, they had to be dipped in water and worked with oil. I'm about to get a little deep for you for a second. You're going to like it. Anybody know the water is very symbolic in the, word, in the Bible of the Word? And oil is very symbolic of your anointing. And of the anointing. So think about this for a second. If you really want to have an effective faith, it's going to take daily dipping in the word and consistent working of the anointing. Do you follow? Do you hear me with what this is actually saying? It's so much more than pick up a shield and go to battle. It's saying, listen, go to battle. But if you really want to do this, if you want to be effective in what I've called you to do, you're going to have to be given to the Word of God. You're going to have to soak yourself in the Word of God. You're going to have to then take your anointing, and you're going to have to work at your anointing. How many of you guys realize anointing is not always easy? What God's called you to do is not always easy. It takes work to be who God's called you to do. But if you constantly work at it, if you're consistently working at it, you'll accomplish what he's called you to accomplish. Now, see, here's the tricky thing. When they would go to battle, you didn't know. This is going to sound a lot like the church right here. When you went to battle, you didn't know who was faithful to dip their shield and who wasn't until you came under attack. Because when you came under attack, those who were faithful with their shield, that dart would just go out like that. But those who said, yeah, I'm good. I'm tired. I'm going to sleep in today. I don't want to go work my shield. I don't want to dip it. It's heavier when I dip it in water. It takes more work. If I dip it in water, it takes more work for me to oil it up all day. Those people, when a dart would hit, See, the opposite is true, because then it became more flammable. You follow me? See, a lot of times we talk about our faith, but the truth is if we don't work our faith, if you don't work at your faith, if you don't work at spending time in the presence of God and being who God's called you to be, guys, when stuff comes, when stuff happens, you're going to find out real quick what you're made of. Because we either burn up in the trials of life, we either burn up in the situations that we face, or we stand strong with who God's called and created us to be. There's other, one really other unique thing about the shield. They would use these shields. The normal shield at that time was a small, round shield. The Roman shield was a larger, door-shaped shield. And what they would do is they would make a line and get in formation, and they would join their shields together and make a wall. And then they would advance on the enemy and actually use that wall to push the enemy back or even crush them against their own gates. Guys, this is telling you a whole lot more than, hey, pick up a shield because you're about to do battle. This is telling you, hey, listen, you were called and created to do battle with other people. There is something about your faith when you link it with the faith of those around you that you are able to accomplish more. You're able to face more. You're able to do more because you are linked arms with the people that God's called you to be linked with. 
Your faith was not designed for you to carry it alone. Your faith was designed to be worked. Your faith was designed to be connected to those around you. Well, I can be a Christian and not attend church. You're right. You can love Jesus and not attend church, but you cannot be effective in what he's called you to do without it. Why? Because he's called you to the relationship. If Jesus just wanted to get you to heaven, he'd take you the moment you got saved. He didn't. He wanted you to bring heaven here on earth, and that requires you to invest in the world around you. It requires you to be connected to people around you. It requires you to make a difference in your workplace, to make a difference in your family, to make a difference in everything that you face. Guys, so often, if I can get the worship team to go ahead and come back up, our faith gets so tested with the things that we face in life that we often just give up on trusting God for what we can't see because, well, it's not looking the way I thought. God must not be there, right? Guys, here's, here's the beauty. When you link arms with those around you, when you stumble, there's somebody to pick you up. When you struggle, there's somebody to help you carry the load. When you're fighting, there's somebody helping you fight. Do you hear me? God created all of humanity, all of the heavens and the earth, and said it was good. And then he created man. And the only thing he said was not good in creation was when he looked at man and said, it's not good that man be alone. You were not created or designed to carry what you carry on your own. You were created for relationship. And if you really, really want to understand your faith and have a deeper faith, then it will require you to get outside of your comfort zone, get connected to other people, and consistently find yourself in a place of the Word. You're like, well, you're giving me a lot of steps. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Anybody ever start a new job and it's like you feel completely overwhelmed the first month? Anybody? Right? Second month, you feel a little better, but you're not real confident. And then like two, three years go down and another new person starts and they're about to lose their mind. You're like, don't worry, you'll get it, right? Because it's like second nature to you now. Why? But there's so many steps until those steps become second nature. When those steps become second nature, you don't even remember that you do them all because it's just simply a part of how you function. You follow me. Stop getting so frustrated because, well, I've got to do this too and this too. It's not about all the stuff you've got to do, hear me. That's why it's relationship. There's all kinds of new things. New aspects of relationship as you grow together, as you build together, but then God wants to take you to every one of those places. He wants to help you through every storm that you're facing. He wants to help walk you through every situation, every circumstance. But you've got to give him your faith first. We've got to fully trust him first. We've got to stop saying, God, you can have my Sundays, but I'm keeping my Mondays. You follow me? It's about truly being given to the heart of God in our lives. So here's what I want to ask. If everybody would stand with me.
You can bow your heads and close your eyes, but if you're in here and you say, you know, the truth of it is I've been facing some situations. There have been storms in my life that have been throwing me all over the place. I just feel out of control, and I don't know that I can do this anymore, and you need Jesus to get in the boat. You need Jesus to move in your situation today. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray with you really quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray pray right now for every person who lifted their hands. God, that we would be confident in who you've called us to be. God, that we would be confident in your faith and our faith in you, God, that you would begin to move in our hearts right now, God, that you would move in their situations, whatever they're facing, every obstacle, God, that they would know no matter the obstacle, the difference is whether their focus is on you or the obstacle, God, and I pray that you would bring our attention back to you. You would bring our focus back to you, and you would begin to move in their lives and work in their lives in such an incredible way that they would see breakthrough in their situation. In Jesus' name, amen.